0: What you are about to listen to could be dangerous for anyone wishing to live a normal, safe life at the end of a cheesy cul de sac. Back to Jerusalem podcasts are not made in sterile recording studios with professional DD DJs, but instead behind enemy lines with horrible acoustics, bad internet connections, and suspicious looking coffee. Listening to Back to Jerusalem Podcast could include unwanted side effects like selling your house, leaving your boring job, and uncontrollable desires to speak strange foreign languages. So buckle up, strap in, and hold on, because this is fast train, baby, to all those places your mother warned you about. And now for your host, the man known for having a radio face, Eugene Bach, coming to you live on delay in five, four, three, two,
1: Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the beautiful areas of western China. Today I'm actually in Guiyang. Guiyang is uh, one of the cities that is in um, uh, Guizhou province. And this area is full of different minority groups, but the guys that I'm meeting with have nothing to do with the business that I'm going to be talking about for Guiyang. Today I'm with a a, a very special friend from China that served in our delivery of Bibles in Iran, and today you are Jeffrey. Jeffrey. So yes, so Jeffrey. So, uh, Jeffrey, welcome back to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Thanks. Uh, last month, during Iranian New Year, No ruse, you were handing out uh, Bibles, electronic Bibles uh, to
2: Iranians. Uh, about how many Bibles did you hand out? Uh, actually, we just put some, you know, the Bible and some uh, materials in a uh, SD card. Yes. Yeah. So it's about 3,000. So you handed out about
1: 3,000 of them. And on those micro SD cards or those small SD cards, they were electronic Bibles. Um, You had the Bible. You had videos. uh, e e E-books. Do you know what e-books were on there?
2: Yeah, uh, some about uh, uh, Jesus and uh, uh, some Christian uh, movie like that.
1: And how many people were on your team from China? Mm, Two. There were two people, so three of you traveled together. Yes. And uh, when you got there, um, you were able to work with some Iranians, right? Yeah, that's right. And how many people were on the Iranian team?
2: Uh, About uh, 10.
1: 10. So you had 10 people on the Iranian team and then one person from the U.S., so all together you were 14?
2: Uh, Yes. Yeah.
1: And so did you live in the same place? Did you stay at a hotel?
2: No, uh, actually, our friend our Iranian friends, uh, help us to rent uh, a villa, a small villa, and uh, for for our for us. So,
1: and how was that experience? I mean, d- can you tell us a little bit about when you were handing out the Bibles to the Iranians? Uh, what was the interaction like? Did you get a talk with them? Did you get a meet with them? Did you just hand them things and then walk away? How was that experience?
2: Yeah, uh, actually, we. Uh, just uh, spread out uh, the SD card to them and try to, you know, uh, talk with them. But if they didn't, you know, in, interest with us, we just walk, walk away. Mm-hmm. And uh, – but we found some of uh, Irania is uh, very, very interesting with, uh, you know, what we're talking about and uh, what we share. So uh, we can spend more time with them.
1: And uh, do you speak the Persian language? Uh, no no so w- when you communicated with them how did you how were you able to communicate? Were you using a lot of sign language were you using computer programs? Did you google translate them
2: <laughs> no uh uh, uh we uh, communicate together uh by English, mm-hmm. but actually for uh we found that uh, uh Iranian can speak English mm, some of uh, can speak very good English, maybe better than me. Mm-hmm. But some of them cannot speak very good, but um, they can understand what we talking about. So,
1: you were able to use English when you communicated together with them. And what were some of the things that you talked about?
2: Uh, everything, <laughs> actually. Uh, food, culture, the different, uh, you know, the uh, language, and some. Actually, sometimes we we didn't know, you know, uh, what we talking about, but we just, you know, um. <laughs> Hang there and uh, spend time with them, which I feel is pretty good.
1: Did they seem to be willing to talk with you? Or, I mean, did they seem like you were a bother? Or did they really enjoy talking together with you?
2: Uh, Actually, you know, for us, um, we're really proud, you know, we are Chinese. When they saw us, they they will say, uh, uh, where are you from? Uh, Japan, Jap- Japan or Korea? We said no. We come from China. Oh, China! They didn't say China. They say Chin, yeah. China. Yeah. Then you know, came came to us and give give us a hug and uh, you know, kiss the the cheek. Yeah. yeah. So they
1: love the Chinese. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Did you know that's where China comes from? Is the Persian language? No. So during the the Qing Dynasty. Um, The first missionaries to come to China to serve in Xi'an were from Iran. So they traveled to Xi'an, and today that church that they built is still there. Um, I don't think that you traveled with uh, Stone and I, but when we traveled together, we went to Xi'an to the Stone Forest. And at the Stone Forest, you can actually find the um, tablet where they have written the religion of light history, which were the Christians who came from Iran to preach the gospel in China. And so the Persian language was the main trade language that was used along the Silk Road. And that was during the Qing Dynasty, which is the most famous dynasty, as you know, inside of China. And so to refer to China, the Persian language, or the Persian people would say Xin or Qin. And so that is where we get the word. China, because when Marco Polo came to China, he traveled along the 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 Persian speaking areas, Mm -hmm. and they would still refer to China along the Silk Road in the same way that the Persians did during the very first missionaries that were sent to China. So when they don't say China, when they say Qin, yeah. that is actually where the word China comes from. Oh. So the connection between the Iranians and the Chinese goes back many, many generations, hundreds, even more than a 1,000 years.
2: Wow. That's uh, amazing. Yeah.
1: So uh, they loved it that you were from China, but today they love China not because of the history but because of the relationship that you have today. Mm-hmm. The relationship that you have with the Iranians today. For instance, I don't know if you know this or not, but the largest trading partner for Iran Mm -hmm. is China. So uh, most of the goods that they have in Iran are made in China. Most of the oil that leaves from Iran goes to China. So China actually invests a lot of money, and when the United Nations had all the sanctions – on Iran so that Iran was not allowed to use banks they're not allowed to sell goods they're not allowed to buy goods only one country really well two Russia and China. China So these were the two countries so you represent their good friend Yeah yes and you felt that like they said like they I heard that there were people saying oh you're like our brothers
2: Yeah that's right every time they will say oh we are brotherhood and uh um Uh, anytime if you came to Iran, came to my house. My house is your house. Wow. Yeah, I can tell, you know, they are really, really, you know, hospitality to Chinese. So.
1: And they really mean it. I mean um, it's – I've been walking on the streets in Iran, just walking down the streets, and people would stop and say, where are you from? And I would say America, and of course I would think they hate me. But actually most Iranians love Americans, mm-hmm. and they speak good English, and so I would be invited to their homes just right off the street. And one time I did it. Somebody came up. They invited me to their house, and I said, Okay. I went to their house. Their wife fixed an amazing meal. I sat down with their children on the floor, and we had this big meal, mm-hmm. and they – it was so moving. They had only been to Dubai once in their life, mm-hmm. and when they came back from Dubai, they brought with them Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. <laughs> and they had not been to Dubai. They would only been there once, and they hadn't been to Dubai for a couple years, mm-hmm. and they still had the Coca-Cola. They were so proud of it, but they opened it up to give it to me. Wow. I mean, that real they're loving people. I mean, the Persian people are amazing people. Did you find that when you were there that they are loving people? Did you find that the the Iranian people are nice people?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yes, they're they're really lovely and very friendly. Yeah, very friendly. Yeah. That's right. Now, uh,
1: because it's a Muslim culture, did you ever engage any females? Uh did you talk to any females or was it just mainly men that you were talking to?
2: Uh the most of the people we talked to is is men yeah. but for uh, female um only a few only a few
1: and um so you had the the uh micro sd chips the sd card adapters that were there you were the one that loaded them how much fun was it to load those devices
2: oh <laughs> oh man
1: <laughs> it takes a long time right
2: uh, actually uh only uh the whole three days we just spent uh, the whole three days we didn't you know let the machine you know uh, stop yeah so uh our three brothers we just you know take uh turn turn take turn to sleep so
1: and how many how many uh machines did you use
2: uh uh two machines and uh two computer
1: uh, how how many did the machines copy at one time?
2: Uh, actually, it, it's twenty, but uh, because some reason, for some reason, um, it's eighteen.
1: Okay, so you could only do eighteen at a time. And those units, did you take those units with you to um, where you handed out the Bibles for the Iranians? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no. So you did that in China. Yeah. Three days. Yeah. Three thousand. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's a lot of work.
2: That's a lot of work. We cannot go sleep. Even we transfer, you know, at Moscow, we just want to sleep at the airport. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the uh, the school that actually you are running, you you run a Back to Jerusalem school here in China, and so you're in charge of the Back to Jerusalem school. Was it the students that were helping you load, or was it the Chinese that went with you to hand out the Bibles uh, to the Iranians?
2: Uh, no actually um before we leave, we didn't get enough uh the s d cards so I went to Beijing uh before we leave three days uh then uh we got some uh, enough s d card so we spent three days in <laughs> Beijing, a small hotel and uh, you know just loading. Yeah, just loading. Wow.
1: You are such a blessing. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Because, I mean, without you, that wouldn't have happened. And uh, this was this was very during a very busy time. I was in the U.S. I wanted to be with you, but I was in the U.S. I was on tour. Uh, Brother Yun was on tour. We had our Back to Jerusalem tour in the U.S. at the same time. Unfortunately... Nowruz, the Iranian holiday, falls right in the middle of our tour every year. So I'm not able to be with you guys when you do the deliveries uh, for the the Iranian Bible. But um, you led the team, and that was a, an amazing testimony that you brought back. Now, you were able to share um, in a report that we were going to put up on our website um, about – the things that happened, and how you were able to see the impact. Was there anybody that you were able to pray with during this time?
2: Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, we found some uh, the other groups to do the same work as us.
1: But were you able to pray with the Iranians that you were handing the Bibles to? Or was that too risky? Uh,
2: I think a little bit, a little bit, because... Uh, uh is, uh is uh it's a very open country yeah. and uh, I think yeah
1: the place where you were handing out the the bibles was was a more open area that is on the border of Iran um and when you handed out the bibles at any time when you handed out the sd cards to the chinese I'm sorry to the iranians when you handed the sd cards to the iranians mm-hmm. did you ever get a chance to pray with them uh not really not really yeah. so Even though you were able to connect with them, talk with them, you prayed for them, but you didn't pray with them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, There was one other thing that you were talking about when you came back from the the delivery to the Iranians. Um, We have a device. Now, if you are not familiar with Back to Jerusalem, we have a device. It is called the Gospel Cloud. And this unit, the Gospel Cloud is a Wi-Fi unit and we use this in Iran, we use it in Iraq and what it does is it sends out a Wi-Fi signal of about a 100 meter radius and anybody within that 100 meters would be able to connect to the Wi-Fi on their mobile device whether that's a phone, whether it's an iPad or a tablet or a laptop computer. And when you see that there's free Wi-Fi in the area and you sign on to it, you open up your browser. And instead of going to your favorite website like google.com or facebook.com or cnn.com, you go to our website, a website that we created specifically for this electronic device. This device is small enough. It's about the size of a mobile phone. It is small enough to fit in your pocket. And it's also battery-operated. And it doesn't actually connect to the internet at all. It only sends out a Wi-Fi signal. And when people connect to it, they think they're connected to the internet, but they're not. They're only connected to our device. And when they're connected to our device, they open it up and we have very simple icons. We have uh, free movies, free videos, free e-books. And you can click on those and get those items. You can either download them onto your phone, and then when you leave outside of that radius, then you still have access to them when you go back home because you downloaded the music, you downloaded the movies, or you downloaded the ebooks. But if you don't, you will have access to them only when you're in the vicinity of that Wi-Fi unit. Now, I'm trying to. I'm repeating myself a couple of times for those of you that may be a little technically challenged. That's okay. Just know this: if it doesn't really make a lot of sense, just know this. The this gospel cloud we invented. We invented this unit. No, if you saw this unit, you wouldn't know about it. You it's you can't find a picture of it anywhere on the internet. We haven't sent any pictures of it anywhere. Um, and that's the reason why is because it's very difficult to stop something that you don't know exists, and because this is not connected to the internet, that means that people can have access to gospel materials, and it can't be stopped by the government It can't be filtered by the government. It can't be in any way manipulated. The material can't be manipulated by the government. And a lot of people say, well, what if uh, they have materials or they have electronics in order to search you out? Well, here's the thing. There's Wi-Fi all over the cities. So in order to find one Wi-Fi, you have to be pretty specific. And our Wi-Fi, you have to be within a 100-meter radius of where we're at. For those of you that are from uh, America, that's about the same as 100 yards. So think of a football field, uh, an American football field. That's about 100 yards. 100 yards is roughly 100 meters. And so that 100 meter radius, you have to be within that radius in order to find um, that unit. And if you're within a 100 meter radius in a very large city, you probably already know what you're looking for already. Now Jeffrey you've used this unit uh you were just saying that you tested it on a train here in China how did it work It's pretty good Yeah Yeah So and you loaded some videos on it
2: Yes I loaded some cut the movie and uh yeah So you loaded
1: some movies you open it up on the train and the great thing about the train is that you can be on the train and everybody that is on in your car in the car in front of you the car behind you and maybe even two cars down Yeah can now have access to that Wi-Fi while you're on the train. In China, do they have free Wi-Fi on the train?
2: No, no. Yeah. So uh, I, live, I live here over 35 years. I I, I didn't see that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you don't have Wi-Fi on the train. So when people open up their phones and they see free Wi-Fi, many of them want to have free Wi-Fi, and you can change the name of it to say uh, train. Free Wi-Fi. Yeah. And you can um, uh, call it free Wi-Fi. So people open up their device. They say, ooh, free Wi-Fi on a train. Nobody else is offering free Wi-Fi on the train. So they can choose not to use it. But if they use it, they can – all of a sudden we can engage them and share the gospel with them.
2: That's, that's right. Yeah. yeah, I think it's, a, it's a very good for them to uh, open the website actually our website to watch the christian movie and uh, ebook and listen some worship music
3: yeah
1: and for us we've been quite excited about using it um you actually traveled to south korea to meet with a guy that we have that designed this yeah. we have a special person um i it, Basically, this person writes uh, programs. He's really amazing at writing programs. I met him uh, maybe close to 10 years ago. Um, We don't pay him any money from B2J. We just feed him Dorito potato chips uh, to keep him happy, (laughs) and he writes code for us. Um, I got this idea from another person that was from the Southern Baptist uh, movement and also – from a unit that was being used in Sweden for illegal movie sharing called uh, the Pirate, uh, Pirate Bay. Pirate Bay started this thing called the Pirate Box, and we were able to use the Pirate Box software for this idea. And so what I did is I traveled to meet with this guy who now lives in South Korea. He was living in northeast China. And I sat down with him, and I said, Listen, I have an idea, and I've seen other people working on it. Um, to have your own Wi-Fi setup and develop a uh, website that would work on this Wi-Fi, that when people open up their web browser, they would be able to see our items that are on that device. Could you do something like this and put it together for us? And he said, "Yeah, give me you know maybe a couple months." I think it was two or three days later. He called me back and he said, "I couldn't sleep." I love the idea. I think I've got it. <laughs> I flew back to China. I met with him, and he made it. Then I went to Shenzhen. I met with somebody who made a device. We were able to change the uh, software on the inside. Um, our friend from, from that is now living in South Korea, he changed the software.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And now we have the gospel cloud. And you have been trained on how to use it, so you can train other Chinese how to use it. And I'm really excited to start sending other Chinese to you and start sending you to other Chinese so that they can learn how to use this on the field in Sudan, in Somalia, in India, Tibet, Bhutan, Pakistan, Iran, Iraq. You used it, of course, in China. Um, this is exciting for us. Yeah. And it's exciting about what you did with the delivery of the Iranian Bibles. So for those of you that donated towards our Iranian Bible push for March of 2016, Jeffrey was one of the guys who did the delivery. And we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. And thank you for listening again to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I am Eugene Bach coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Guiyang. God bless you.
3: My name is Jung, and I am an unashamed follower of Jesus Christ. It is considered quite dangerous for me to share the contents of this book, but these are stories that need to be told for God's glory and the encouragement of the church so begins the extraordinary first-person account of a prominent leader of one of the largest underground churches in China. This dramatic true story is told in Back to Jerusalem's latest book, I Stand with Christ by Eugene Bach. I Stand with Christ is a detailed account about a former Communist Party member who took a stand for his faith in Jesus and was targeted for prison, work camps and torture see how he goes from the prison cell of china's maximum security prison to leading one of the largest underground house churches of 10 million believers be amazed at this true story of suffering sacrifice and triumph i stand with christ is available at www.backtojerusalem.com or where books are sold There's a simple way for us to help ISIS victims. Drink tea. It's that simple. By drinking a cup of Back to Jerusalem Chinese tea, you will bring hope to the refugees displaced by ISIS. It is a healthy way to make a difference. So invite friends and family to your home for a Bible study around a warm pot of organic Chinese tea. Does your church have a cafe? add back to Jerusalem tea to the menu all profits go to help ISIS victims in Iraq and Syria